Welcome to the Trainer Life Podcast. My name is Danielle Harrison, and I am a certified personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist. And I've been in the fitness industry in New York City for over 10 years. I've learned a lot and met some amazing people along the way. So if you were always curious about the ins and outs of the industry from a woman's perspective, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into this week's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Trainer Life Podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'm so proud. We are four weeks of consistent uploads. I hope I can keep this going. I'm excited. I'm very proud of myself. So let's get that admin out of the way first. If you have comments, questions, concerns, feedback, guests you'd like me to have on, topics you'd like me to cover, please email me, thetrainerlife at gmail.com, subject line podcast. Or you can DM me on Instagram at the Trainer Life Podcast. And I would love to just interact and get to know everybody a little bit more and really make a nice community for ourselves here. All right. So let's just jump straight into today's topic. And I want to talk about body mass index or as it's more relatively known, BMI. So body mass index is a measure of weight in relation to height and age. It is usually utilized because it's quick and easy. If you have a lot of muscle mass, however, it can um, hold you as unhealthy when you are not. Like I said, it uses height, weight, and age, and it's, we use it to assess for chronic disease. But however, it doesn't reflect for body fat percentage or body fat distribution. It's better than nothing, but most people in the fitness industry use the measurement with a grain of salt. Like I said, you can, it's quick and easy. So you can use calipers to analyze it or an impedance and analyzer device um, would be better. And that's more so what we use in the industry. So what that is, calipers are these little things that almost look like things that would pinch you like um, scissors, but like won't cut you. I don't know how to understand. Like they basically look like they pinch the skin and you we do what's called a standard like seven point sight test. So we use the, the abdomen, arm, hips or butt, calf, forearm, thigh, mid thigh and waist. And then we take all of the numbers from the calipers and we measure out um, where you are and with, a, with an equation and we see where you land on the spectrum of BMI. Remember, everything has a degree of error. So also always be mindful of that. Like if a person does not do your site, your caliber sites correctly, that can alter the result and possibly place you underweight or overweight. When I was taking a class about exercise prescription and testing, which is where I'm getting all this information from, by the way, the book I am utilizing is... ACSMs, which stands for the American College of Sports Medicine, Guidelines for Testing for Exercise Testing and Prescription, 11th edition. So like I was saying, if someone doesn't utilize the caliper test correctly, then that could create a degree of error when telling someone their BMI. So when I was in my course, we literally had to spend at least a couple of classes where we had to use someone and practice the caliper test like that was an assignment we had every week was literally just sending our professor videos of us practicing the caliper test just sending every week we had to practice had to practice they literally tell you you need to do like like depending on your 
how long you've been in this field and the work you do, you need to do like 50 to 150 practice sites because it is something that you, you literally, there's no amount of reading that's going to make you better at it. It's just practice, 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 practice. But also know that this pinching of the skin can also make certain people, especially people with any type of body dysmorphia, eating disorders, anything to that nature, it can make them feel uncomfortable. Um, it could be very triggering for someone. So just be mindful of that. Like calipers is the OG old school way it's, it was done back in the day. It, again, we always need to know how to do things. You know, we'll compare it to kids not knowing how to do handwrite math. Like you can't do a math equation handwriting it because you always have a calculator. You should still know the foundational principles. So that's why we still practice calipers because yes, do we have more te technologically advanced ways to do it? Yeah, but you should always just know your foundational principles of where things come from, where it's coming from. So if you do have a client that asks any questions or if you're a listener right now who works out and you're like, oh, my coach didn't do that with me, they probably used a um, impedance analyzer device, which is one of those things where you put like a person... If you're, uh, you put the gender and you put the height and you put the weight, you put the age, if they're athletic, normal, and then they have like little silver things on the side and you hold it out in front of you, it'll give you your body fat percentage, it'll give you BMI and things to that nature. So a impedance analyzer does that exactly the same way, but the caliper way is the original OG way to do it. And just as fitness professionals, we should always have foundational knowledge of what we're doing, why we're doing it, what was the original assessment for so that, you know, God forbid your batteries run out. All right, let's get those calipers. And we know how to do that. Always remember, know your foundation, not just in fitness, but all of life. Know where things come from, know why we do them. And when you have an understanding of the history, you can better project your future. That was just my little tangent there. <laughs> um, exercise science professionals need data about health history, activity level, waist measurement, and like I said, skin fold thickness. Let's talk about the classifications of BMI. If you hear papers in the background, I, like I said, I do my best to give you quality information, information from books, articles, and things that I'm getting from my actual university. And also, teaching you all how to read credible articles and knowing where the information is coming from and the degree of its, not importance, but if it's right, you, I have read 20 page papers all for the hypothesis to be like inconclusive. I was like, I just read 20 pages for you all to be like, basically everything we did didn't happen. So sometimes people will take information from articles, but it's almost like they didn't read the results in the conclusion. It's like, oh, this paper said this, and then you read the conclusion and it's like, and this paper also says that their hypothesis came out inconclusive. Okay, so I have one of our topics will be research, how it's written, the way they use like an ANOVA or something, and that's a statistic, and how you all should know research, because we hear that all the time, like, oh, this article says, data says, research says. So giving you guys a little bit more of a foundation of what that means, why we say it, where's the information coming from, and that's very important. Who is presenting this information to you? All right, that was this little tangent onto the side. Let's get back to it. So the classification of BMI. Now, again, 
this is taken with a grain of salt. This is not in totality of your health and fitness. Someone who is considered, and I'm using rabbit ears for all of this, underweight is anyone with a BMI below 18.5. Now, let's put this in perspective. That is considered underweight. I have a friend. She was actually um, a guest on a past podcast. She is doing bodybuilding competitions and like figure. And right now she's probably at like 12% body fat. Is she underweight for body fat, for a, especially for a woman? 100%. But she is competing. She literally has a competition coming up or it just passed. So therefore, she is considered underweight for her body fat, but she is not going to stay at 12 forever. Once that competition is over, she is going to start up increasing her calories back up to a healthy body weight for a woman, especially because it can start to disrupt your period if you go any uh, anywhere below that. Normal is considered anywhere between 18.5 and 24.9. Overweight is considered 25 to 29.9. And then obesity class is considered anywhere from 30 to 40. And what I mean obesity class, there's obesity class one, obesity class two, and three. Obesity class one is anywhere between 30 and 34.9. Obesity class two is anywhere from 35 to 39.9. And obesity class three is anywhere above 40. So you have high, very high, and extremely high. Now, a problem is, like I said in the beginning, sometimes someone can be considered unhealthy who is healthy. So like I said, BMI is a poor indicator of percentage of body fat. BMI does not capture um, info on the mass of fat in different body sites. So there's an article that I'm going to be referencing right now. It's Body Mass Index, Obesity, BMI, and How It Is Related to Health, a Critical Review by Frank and Nutali. I can't read my own handwriting, but I will put it in the notes section of this article. I hope I remember to. And if I don't, somebody email me and be like, where was that article that you cited? Because you cited it. So we want to see it. Let me know if I forget because... I'd be trying to get the podcast out and sometimes I forget those things. All right, so height and leg length could affect the calculated body mass adjusted for height. A person's bony frame could affect the interpretation of data. So if someone is more bony, if someone is taller, there are a host of different re- different things that can affect a body mass index. For example, majority of football players probably are considered obese. They're they're probably over 30. Um, Their BMI is probably over 30, which is considered obese. But again, they're very muscular. And and again, it says that BMI is a poor indicator of percentage of body fat. So a football player can be over a 30 on the BMI scale. Are they unhealthy? You know, some maybe. But a majority of them, they're tall, they're very muscular, they have to eat, they have to take the impact of the game. They're they're healthy, but yet the BMI is saying, oh, no, you're not, you're unhealthy. Again, take everything with a grain of salt. A huge problem is it doesn't differentiate between, like I said, body lean mass and body fat mass. So if you have a lot of lean body mass, like I just said with football players, it doesn't know that this is lean mass on you. So therefore, it's like, oh, well, you're obese. It's like, no, it's lean mass. This doesn't account for it. So 
be conscious when you get numbers, especially I know a lot of gyms now have say in-body analyzers. And if you don't know what that is, it's when you stand on this um, machine barefoot and it's got these two little arms on the side, almost looks like a robot and you put your thumbs on it and it will, then you start it up again. You put your age, your height, your weight, um, gender, and it will literally do like a little analyze of your body and uses low level electrical impedance. And then it comes out with your bone uh, density, water, skeletal, muscular, body fat percentage, BMI, and all of these things. Again, a lot of ingredients and components to who you are in totality, but we need to take each one for what it's worth and not one thing to be the overall guidance on who we are. I know a woman who I used to work with, um, I used to train her, and she very much did not like to take any metrics, which again, you do not have to take metrics if you don't feel comfortable with it. But she always said, my BMI just comes out so high and it's discouraging. And I said, why are you focusing on BMI when there's so many other components that encompass you in this in these analytics? And she's like, because it says I'm obese. I said, but what is the what is the lean mass say? She goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, what is the body fat percentage say? She's like, I don't know. I said, well, what is this? I said, so why are you focusing on the one negative thing on the paper? She goes, because it says this. So just know if you are a fitness professional, it will not work for everyone. And sometimes people will have all these amazing things. It's like, well, this is good. This is good. This is But they're going to focus on that one thing. If they know that about themselves, it might not be a tool that you want want to utilize for them. Or I have had clients who have been like, well, I want to see the changes, like the metrics, but they don't want to know the numbers. So they, I will literally like blindfold them, put them, you know, either on an in-body or I use, you know, a, a device and I get the information and I don't tell them and I don't tell them their weight, BMI, body fat percentage. They go, okay, did you get it? I go, yep. And because they want to know if they're making progress, but they don't want to know the actual numbers. And sometimes depending on someone's past, their body image issues, their eating issues, sometimes people, it's not good, but I know like I have people who are lawyers or they're accountants, but they're like, but I want to know my analytics, but I don't want to know the numbers. I go, cool. What they want to know is if they're making progress, but they're like, I need to also know if I'm making progress. So I want them to be taken, but I don't want to know. And I go, perfect. I will all, I'll check to make sure we're making progress. And if progress isn't being made to what you desire, then we will reassess and we'll see if there's some things we need to tweak. So always, if you're a coach, always be open to that. And also if you're a person who works with a coach, a gym or anything, and they're like, well, you have to do this. Your coach or anybody you work with should work with you within your comfort levels. All right. Always remember that it's such an intimate, personal experience when it comes to our bodies. Always make sure you feel comfortable, you feel safe, and you feel like you're being heard. And that's one of the biggest things that I do with my clients and people I work with. I'm like, I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel comfortable, educated, and heard. With doing that, that's how we build trust. I, so there's certain things clients go, when I first work with somebody, they're like, I never, I'm never doing that. I go, cool. But then there's also there's also something they might be they once they build confidence they're like you know that thing I never wanted to do I go yep they go okay let's try it just try it and if it doesn't work I go okay but once again built that trust 
I don't think I have one client who won't do something. They might not like something. Like I have a client the other day. She goes, I hate Bulgarian split squats. I said, no one likes them. Trainers, we don't even like to do them, but we do them because it's helpful and it's a good movement. She goes, oh yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. I just hate them. I was like, oh, everybody does. But it doesn't stop her because she built the confidence to do them. So coaches build that trust. If you are someone who works in a gym, make sure you feel safe and comfortable, but also don't be afraid when your coach is like, they believe you can go to the next level. You know, never be afraid to try. And if you're not there yet, okay. You can always try as long as you're not dead, you can still try. All right. Um, Variables that should be considered are gender, age, ethnic group, and leg length. BMI is an affordable, easy way to get data on a person. And the other options are the DEXA scan, CT slices, or from the abdomen or thigh, and magnetic resonance, resonance imaging. So the thing about this is those things are expensive. So again, if you're working with a population that is um, lower socioeconomic, you, you don't work at a big fancy gym with all of these high tech gadgets, then BMI can be that tool that you utilize to help people. The DEXA scan, expensive. The CT slices of that, like we're talking slices here, expensive. <laughs> Magnetic, expensive. So again, utilizing things with a grain of salt to help us build a healthy workout program in totality. Um, the BMI has a lot of limitations when utilized as an indicator of percentage of body fat mass. BMI classification also has a degree of error regarding fat mass, mortality rates, fat distribution is the real predictor of morbidities and mortality. Lifestyle issues, gender, ethnicities, medical, and family um, determine BMI, and BMI should not be exclusively used for an individual. So one of the things in my book that we see, there are different equations based off of ethnicity. And just because of different foods, population-specific formulas for conversion of body density to percent of body fat. So there is one for African-Americans, American Indians, Asian, Japanese natives, um, Singaporeans, Chinese, Indian, Malayan, Caucasian, Hispanic. And then there's also different equations for people who are athletes. So if you're a resistance trained athlete, an endurance trained athlete, or an all sport athlete, and then clinical populations such as for children, people with anorexia, spinal cord injury. So throughout the years, the BMI metric has started to become a little bit more specific because what they were seeing is certain ethnicities were showing higher rates of obesity where they weren't obese. It was just their body makeup is different. You know, you have some um, ethnicities where it's maybe smaller framed people, or you have some ethnicities where it's bigger framed people. And the problem with BMI was it was based off a very small population number from years ago, and it didn't account for, at one point, BMI, like, it, I believe, please don't quote me, and this was the article I was trying to find, is that it was based off of 100 men. So yet you're put, we're putting this against women. We're putting these numbers against children. We're putting these numbers against ethnic groups when it was based off of, like, 100 men from one area, 
and it didn't account for all the different body types and foods that are ingested. Like in certain places, certain foods are eaten more than in other places. So that had to be taken into account. Certain groups are taller than other groups. That had to be taken into account for. We shouldn't be trying to base these specific uh, metrics on children. You know, you're, we're going to base a metric that's based off a six foot man on a 10 year old child. So those things had to be taken into account for. Now, is there still a degree of error? A hundred percent. But we are trying to make a, a little bit more population specific just so that we're not telling certain groups, oh, hey, you are considered obese, where another group also might be underrepresented. And it's like, oh, everybody's healthy, but it's like, oh, no, they're not. There, there's an issue. But again, this is just a piece of the puzzle. This isn't the whole picture that we're looking at when it comes to this. So I just wanted to break down a little bit in today's episode about BMI, what it is, why we use it, what does it look for? And also it's probably as a trainer, I'm speaking personally for me, one of my least favorite metrics to use. Um, again, I, we utilize it, but it's one like if I could cover it on the sheet of paper, I probably would. But again, it can be an indicator of chronic disease. So it does have its benefits, but we need to understand also its limitations and where that degree of error is. And that's why education for fitness instructors and personal trainers and anyone in the exercise science field is so important because we should not be putting blanket statements on things. We need to understand the history, why, what we utilize it for and who, who it should be utilized for. All right, so I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got comments, questions, concerns, feedback, you know the deal, hit me up. All right, drink your water, eat your veggies, have a cookie, live your best life, and I will see you next week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of The Trainer Life. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And I will see you all next week. Have a great day, everybody.